and just a recap uh, before I go into the agenda two of the series that we have today. So the series, uh, for a recap, for those of you who have, weren't, weren't able to be here last week, we started this series called The Five-Fold Agenda of God and Satan. These are five areas in our life whereby God, both God and Satan want us to act or to think uh, or to behave in a way that is like them. Okay? So the recap is that uh, last week, Brother Charles talked about agenda number one, which is both God and Satan want you to think like them. Everybody say, think. God's word, just a recap, okay, the pointers. God's word tells us that we can have access to the mind of God, okay? And we access the word of God, sorry, we access God's mind through being exposed to the word of God. But at the same time, the devil is also trying to influence us with his way of thinking. God gave us access to his thoughts through his word and his spirit. God also reveals his thoughts to us through his spirit. So the question is, why do we need the mind of God? Because if our mind is on God, we can trust him and have peace. We must think like God to receive His revelation. So it's like Brother Charles uh, talked about it last week, whereby we tune in, when we have an FM radio, right? We tune in the frequency so that we can hear the channel clearly. Okay? Number three is we must think like God to walk with Him. So God is not wanting to just give us commandments. It's not about rules or regulations. He wants to pull us into His mind. So beyond just the things that He say, oh, do this or don't do that, I think we sometimes treat it as uh, just rules. But, it is all about, it's rooted in relationship. Okay? Knowing all this, we must choose to, choose between having the mind of Christ or the mind of the flesh. Okay? And it's so important to know what the Word of God has to say because we are destroyed by what we don't know in the Word of God. Because we, we talk about, you know, I think we've heard this taught to us many times, there's two Greek words for the Word of God, Logos and Rhema. The Logos is what is settled and established in the Word of God. But, and the Rhema is the now Word of God, whereby we come into a service and we feel that word, yes, that shoe fits, that word is for me. But without us knowing what the Logos or the Word of God has to say, we cannot know, we cannot receive a Rhema because we may hear, we may hear wrongly and, and that is dangerous, okay? And last but not least, uh, Brother Charles talked about it, the importance of knowing and memorizing Scripture because there, may be, there will be times in our life whereby we are in situations whereby maybe our physical body, we cannot get to a physical Bible, we have no strength even to get up or to get to it, but where we store scriptures in our mind, we may not honestly know the scripture reference, but we know what the scripture has to say. And when we store that in our mind, when we go through crisis, God is able to bring those things to the front of our mind that we are going to be encouraged and, and by those promises in the scripture. Amen? Agenda number two. is what I'm going to be talking about today, that both God and Satan want you to perceive, interpret, and understand the things of life as they do. So last week, we talked about the mind. Everybody, if possible, hope. hopefully it's not like kids' church, but can you touch your, your, your mind, your, your, your head? Okay, you can't touch your mind, obviously. That will be you trying to be a surgeon. Okay? How we think. Today, we are going to be talking about our eyes our eyes, how we see. So I hope that by uh, referring to particular body parts or uh, body functions, that we're able to seek, uh, to, to understand better. We're going to be talking about how our eyes, how God wants us to see versus the enemy wants us to see. So I come to help us to understand that it's all about perspective. Perspective is the lens through which we perceive, interpret, and understand life. So I'm going to, be start, to start talking about, talking about our physical eyes first. Obviously, I can't see, okay, without my specs. 
So that's why seeing through the, the, seeing through the right lens is important because without, without, when our vision is impaired, without God helping us to see properly, we cannot see. So talking about physical eyes first. So when we talk about the physical, sometimes, sometimes it helps us to understand better about the spiritual. So I don't know how many of you wear specs, but it seems like quite a lot. Okay? Many of us can relate to certain common eye diseases like myopia. Who has a myopia here? I, I don't have myopia, I got astigmatism, okay? Nearsightedness or hyperopia, which is farsightedness. I think when you get, you know, slightly senior or older, you have this uh, long-sightedness, yes. Some of us may have ex even experienced cataract or glau glaucoma. Okay, I remember my, uh, my uh, elderly people in my life that they had to go through this cataract, cataract surgery. These different eye diseases have a way of warping how we view what is in front of us. It's the same eyes that everybody has, but when, when we experience these eye diseases, it will, it will impact or limit the way we can see. So, so I think you have that PowerPoint slide in front of you, and it's a good representation of uh, what are the different eye diseases. Okay, just sharing a funny story, okay? Uh, and I hope it relates. So basically, uh, when, when, I was, when I was in the army, um, I was training with the Indian army. So basically, over there in Singapore, you know, most of the guys, they wear spectacles, unless they go for LASIK or they wear contacts. But for in the, in the Indian Army, they, most of them don't wear spectacles. They, they, have good, they have good vision, and that's one of the prerequisites to go into the army. So he was so, my Indian counterpart was just looking at me and saying, hey, uh, Elvin, how come most of your guys wear spectacles? If I was the enemy, what I would do is just come up with a plan to just remove your specs. You all cannot fight already. Okay. That's why, yeah. even in warfare, in, in spiritual warfare or physical warfare, it's important to have the right lens so that we can see clearly. If not, we may even con commit something which is called patricide, which is to shoot our own guy, la, that kind of thing. So similarly to the physical eyes, relating it to the spiritual eyes, we can see that having healthy spiritual sight or healthy spiritual eyes is very important. Because the scripture says, Matthew 6.22, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So the scripture basically says that when we, our lens or perspective is clouded, all that we see or view through that perspective will be clouded or dark. But if our lens or perspective is clear, godly, spiritual, then all that we see or perceive in life will be clear. We will see clearly. Okay? So the scripture is not just limited to what we watch on TV like, or, or social media or hear through the, 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 the waves, the internet waves, but also how we choose to perceive things. What we perceive affects, I say again, how, what we perceive or how we see, it affects how we interpret and understand things. So if our eye perceives well, the Bible says that our whole body is filled with light, which is truth. But if our eye perceives badly, we are filled with darkness or deception. And the danger, dangerous point is that we open ourselves to deception when we perceive wrongly. So I just want to paint an analogy. Uh, my, I used to, used to have a pet or a dog. But when you, when you first get a pet, you have to ascertain whether the pet has been maybe in the past gonna abused before or gonna, uh, uh, injured before or hurt by human beings. So sometimes when you have first have a pet into a family, a dog into a family, when, you, when you're a new owner, the dog may lash out at you. Because why? Even when you want to provide care or give water or feed, spoon feed the dog, because why? The dog has been hurt before. 
So similarly to us, when, we ex when, we, when God tries to reach out to us, when, when we receive care or maybe our brothers and sisters see that we are going through pain and they want to reach out to us, sometimes we can view it as them trying to hurt us when actually they're trying to just care for us. So that's why it's so important to have the right lens to perceive the actions of others or the love of God through. Amen? So before I dive into my scripture text, I want to emphasize that the first thing that we need to check or to verify is our perception of God. Because why? My perception of God will directly impact my relationship with Him. Okay? I think in Singapore that we, we all have, been, have heard this concept or principle drilled into our minds many times from school even, MOE, meritocracy. That means you work hard, you study well, you get the results. Then you, you is, is, you know, is, is correlated. That means if you perform, perform well at school, you'll get a good appraisal. If you perform well at work, you'll get a good appraisal. Then you'll get a good bonus, that kind of thing. So it drills into our mind a very performance mentality. That means you must do well to get rewards or to get appreciated or to, or to be valued in the company. But this is, this, is, this is useful in the secular world, but this is not very useful in the spiritual sense, in the kingdom of God. Because the Bible, the, Jesus wants to help us to understand that He loves us. He first loves us before we can do anything for Him. Before we are able to change or to make or to do anything in His kingdom or even minister, He first loved us and He completed His work on the cross. So it's a performance mentality versus the finished work on Calvary. Amen? So my scripture text for today, we're going we're gonna to study an account in the Bible where two men perceived differently though they were in the exact same situation. So these two men, they were going through the same things in their life in the Old Testament. But they perceived or they saw the situation very differently. One saw through their own perspective of fleshly eyes and the other saw the spiritual eyes, saw through the spiritual eyes. So I'm not going to be reading the whole scripture, so I'm going to give you some context so that when I read the scripture later on, it will be clearer to all of us. The context of this scripture was that the prophet Elisha, everybody say Elisha, was standing on the side of the king of Israel. So it was the king of Israel fighting against the king of Aram. When the king of Aram found out that this, you know, there was this, there was this right man, uh, right hand man of, of 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 Israel of the king of Israel giving him information, he was very, obviously very upset because whatever strategy or plan that the king of Aram tried to throw against the king of Israel it was nothing was working because there was a prophet, the man of God, guiding the king of Israel, and so the king of Aram sent his whole his, his whole army to go and confront Elisha, not to give him, not to say thank you for helping the other side. He was going to kill him lah. Okay, and, and, the, and the people over there. Second Kings, six, chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. It says, So one night, okay, sorry, pause there first. Uh, while I read this scripture, I want you to, I want all of us to try to appreciate or to perhaps feel what both uh, the servant who is in this situation and Elisha felt to perhaps put ourselves in that situation to feel perhaps the fear or the different emotions that, they, that they, they felt, okay, due to their different perspectives. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are many on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the man's eyes, the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, 
he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had said. So, uh, just take some time to reflect and think about what, what emotions the servant must have felt and what, and what uh, emotions um, Elisha, the prophet Elisha would have felt. So I want to reiterate that Elisha and the servant, they were both in the same situation. But they both responded differently. Why? Because of perspective. They viewed the same situation through different lens, through different point of view. Elisha viewed the, the, land, the, 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 the situation through the lens of God, while the servant viewed the situation through the lens of his natural flesh. Amen? So, I'm going to be covering two portions today, and the first portion is what happens when you have God's perspective in a given situation. But I think before we talk about God's perspective, I think the word before perspective is, is, is God. Before we can see through God's perspective or God's point of view, the first thing we need to see is, is God. That's why I think the, the, uh, David, when he wrote the Psalms, he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that one thing will I seek for, that I may dwell in his house and, and, and inquire in his temple to behold the beauty of the Lord. David understood that before he could have the right perspective in those trials that he went through, he first had to see God. And so for me and for all of us in this place, I want to encourage us to, 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 to understand that it's not just about us trying to change our perspective, change our point of view, see from the other point of view, but it's to first encounter and to see God. Because when we see God moving and to see what God is trying to speak to us in our, in our situation, no matter how good or bad it might be, then, we'll, then only then, will, be, will we be able to see through God's point of view. Amen? Number one, when we see God, things as God sees things, you are free from worry. How many of us would like to be free of worry in this place? Any? Nobody? Okay, yes, good. Wonderful. I think in Singapore, many of us can uh, identify with this thing called worry or anxiety or really uh, I will so many things that we can worry about. We can worry about uh, our job, our family, or how, how come I cannot find a childcare for Maddie? Or even things, when we worry so much, even things like, will Maddie find someone godly in the future? Even before she, even before she go into primary school. A bit far-fetched, but it's honestly, when you, when you worry, 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 it can get to you. And you'll be in a constant state of worry and fear. Even things that are not real, it becomes real because there's worry, fear, anxiety, all intertwined. But the point they're trying to make is that when you see things as God sees things, you are free from worry. Because look at this scripture. When the servant of the man of God got up very early the next morning, just to reiterate, that there were troops, horses, and chariots. Very bad things around him. Then he said, Oh, sir, what will you do now? The young man cried to Elisha, Don't be afraid. And Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. So again, putting yourself in the servant's shoes. Imagine one day waking up to a sight of army troops, horses, chariots surrounding you. I think many of us would have responded, including myself, would have responded the same way, in worry and in fear. I don't think the servant was very good with swordsmanship. He probably couldn't possibly defend himself. Because you know his job was to be a servant in the, to the man of God, to serve the man of God. 
So he wasn't, he, he knew, oh my goodness, if these enemies try to kill me or try to invade my master's house, I don't have any way of defending myself or my master or to help him. However, Elisha saw something that gave him a calm assurance. He was not worried. I can imagine Elisha possibly uh, brushing off the servant's remarks. Hey, no problem. Lah. Continue with his breakfast. In Tamil, they say, Paravelle, no problem, no worries. Okay, I'll settle it. We may not have army troops, horses, or chariots surrounding our house today, but I'm sure over the past two years, we, can, we have felt the pressure of what is happening in our world around us, weighing down on us, all the COVID measures. Honestly, wearing a mask ah, is, is very, it's very stifling. Lah. Very, how many of you like to wear masks here? Okay, no, 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 no cannot. <laughs> I think you have... I mean, not, never experienced this before. You have acne, ac- facial acne, you know, mask acne, cannot breathe. Some people sadistic like me. We think, oh, wear mask good. Cause train the lungs. No lot. Got problem with your brain. Okay, no, no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just talking about myself, okay? We worry about getting COVID, GST hike, inflation, job security. We also worry about our future. Will I get married? Will I be able to buy a house, enough CPF? So on and so forth. Okay, you're, you're filling the blanks for yourself. Worry. Honestly, situations are real. I'm not trying to say, oh, there's nothing to worry about because that's not the case. Let we are, life is real and we are in real life. Okay? It is perfectly fine to take precautions and plan ahead. I get it. I do the same. But to be in a constant state of worry is to tell God, Lord, I don't think you got all things covered. I need to help you by worrying. I say again, we are trying, when we worry or to live in that constant state, of, constant state of fear or worry, we are telling God, God, I'm trying to help you by worrying. We are in essence telling God that He is not Almighty God, that He, does, he doesn't have everything in control. Honestly, when I take a step back, we, I realize that worrying actually helps no one. How many of you can agree with me that worrying helps no one? Amen. <laughs> not ourselves. Neither ourselves nor the people around us. In fact, it will cause us to have sleepless nights, to live in fear or turmoil. I was just reading, uh, just watching the recap of Bishop Willoughby's uh, sermon. If you don't know where to find it, it's on tapjoy.org, the media page. He preached the message in 2008. So he was talking about how, uh, I think, Sister Willoughby is the one who has a bit of difficulty getting to sleep. But for him, once he put his head on the pillow, Five to ten seconds, no, not five to ten seconds, maybe five minutes, he's, 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 he's sleeping already. Why? Because he, he's learned, he has learned how to give his cares to the Lord and not to worry. Okay? We not only cause ourselves to have sleepless nights when we worry, we, uh, we, we will also cause maybe our family and friends to be very irritated because being worrisome sometimes actually irritates people. For example, me at work, sometimes I think my wife can, will tell you later, if, later on if she got a chance. That sometimes I'm very high strung at work. I try to do everything fast, fast, anxious, anxious, settle everything, go home early, that kind of thing. But sometimes when I, when I pressure my colleague to be fast, to be anxious, obviously she will get very upset la, and irritated with me. Why are you like that, Elvin? Why are you so chong? Why are you so control spider? Okay? Another story. Okay? Being worried, how worried, worrying does not help you, nor does it help the people around you. Uh, I remember that th- there were times where in my childhood, I would go on uh, family trips to Genting or to Malaysia, okay, with uh, uh, my childhood friends, uh, Shabian and Sherilyn, okay, and my parents as well, my family. So I don't know why this was uh, in, you know, this was my my kwan or my or my ca- character or my behavior. I will often 
throughout the trip, I will often ask my dad, uh, Papa, you shouldn't spend so much money. As a child, uh, primary school, Papa, you shouldn't spend so much money. Uh, I scared you know, I got not enough money later on for to last throughout the trip. So I, every day, every, not every day, every moment I'm, I'm thinking like that. I'm persuading him not to buy this, not to buy that. I don't need this. My dad, my dad say, Elvin, you want this? Elvin, you want that? I'm persuading him, don't, don't, don't. I don't. I'm scared, scared you're not enough money. So you can imagine how worrisome or how anxious or how bad these trips went. Okay? So worrying not just doesn't help us, doesn't help God, but it also will spill on to others. Worrying is, is just a symptom. Okay, I say again, worrying is just a symptom. It's not the root issue. It is a symptom that we have got the wrong lens, the wrong lens on. So then when we decide, when we realize that we are worrying all the time, then we need to ask God, God, help me to change my lens. We need to change our lenses to the one God gave us after we were born again. Remember when you were first born again, when you were first filled with the Holy Spirit, you were able to trust. You were like a baby who was able to trust his parents. You, were, you, you remember you were able to trust God in, even in difficult situations. God can do anything. God can do the impossible. And so we need to always allow God to renew that lens of trust and perspective towards Him. We need to remind ourselves that God cares for me and I can trust in Him because He's a good Father. He's in control. He will not do wrong by me. And He thinks good thoughts for me, about me, and He has a plan for my life. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Everybody say all. Not some, not 10%, but all. Everybody say all. Matthew 6, 31, verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Tai. Sorry. What shall we wear? <coughs> okay, my wife always asks, no, sorry, not my wife, sorry. My uh, wife also, but never mind, she can take it. Maddie will always ask me in the morning, Daddy, first thing, uh, can you imagine a baby? Daddy, Daddy, uh, no, Mama, Papa, in the morning, she, when she wake up, open her eyes, she say, I'll wear, I want to wear a dress. First thing, uh, oh my gosh. Papa, Mama, bring me wear a dress. I want to choose the dress. What shall we wear? Okay, for after, for after all these things, the Gentiles, Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first. So the, the word, the, the linking, or the, 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 link, the opposite word between 31 and 32 and 33 says, but seek first. First in priority, the, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I found, I know we all love Matthew 6.33 very much. We hold dear to it since young. But 6.34 was quite humorous to me. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Today got enough problem already. Lah. So we just, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, focus on what God is doing today. On our, on our troubles or worries for today. Okay? Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's God's promise. God's promise for all of us. So to recap point one, when we put on God's lenses, we perceive differently and realize that God, the almighty God who at the beginning of the world says, let there be light and there was light. He did not need to do anything with his hands. He just spoke and it was. That almighty God is with us. And when we know that He is with us, that we do not need to worry and to fear. Amen? So point number two. When we see things the, the way God sees, 
we will have authority to open people's eyes to cause them to see what, pe- uh, what God sees. Who, how many of you have maybe friends or family members in your life? Or maybe you yourself are uh, very uh, are warrior who sometimes, you know, always see uh, from the negative point of view, who is pessimistic. How many of you can identify that you are that kind of person? Amen. So when we, thank you, when we see things the way God sees, we're able to help and take authority of that worry or anxiety in our life. But not just that, we are able to help people to see through how God sees. And we perhaps will be able to help people to see, uh, to let them know how actually God perceives them, to seize them, to seize them through eyes of love and that He's in control. Second Kings 6 verse 17 says, Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the man's eye, young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fear. Uh, or, or chariots of fire, sorry. I want that kind of, honestly, I was reading the scripture and see, seeing how Elisha prayed and how God answered immediately. No pause, never say, or seven days later, God opened the servant's eyes. God answered immediately. That's pretty prof- profound and in- interesting to me. And I'll, honestly, I want that kind of walk with God whereby I'll be able to pray and God answer immediately and open my friend's eyes to who he is and to the supernatural. Remember the host, the, the angels, horses, chariots of fire who were on God's side. They were there all along. I submit to you that they were there all along. What needed to change was the servant's ability to see the supernatural. This is where the man of God came to intervene. And so could it be for all of us, whatever situation that we might be going through, whatever situation we might face this week, Monday to, to next Saturday, we may go through impossible situations. Could it be that when we go through fear or worry or anxiety, that all we need to do is that to, 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 say, and to, to say in faith, even if our faith is as small as the mustard seed, that God, I know that there are many things, supernatural forces or angels that are on my side that I cannot see yet. God, I do not have perhaps a prophet or Elisha or Elijah or maybe my CG, my CG leader or my pastor is not next to me. But Lord, I know when you give me your perspective, I will be able to see that the battle belongs to the Lord, that you are on my side and that you are for me and you are in control. Elisha, so I'm shifting gear from the worry, fear of the servant to the character of the man of God, Elisha. Take note, Elisha did not lament to God or to complain, hey, God, why you give me this servant who has no faith? How is he going to be my, my helper? He has no faith. His faithlessness is rubbing onto me. He did not do that. He did not reprimand, reprimand or scold his servant. Hey, hey, why are you like that? Why are you so much doubt? Why you never hear last week's sermon? Uh, Brother Charles talked about faith. Huh? Number three, he didn't counsel his servant. He didn't say, you know, I can see that you're feeling fearful and depressed. Let's dig deeper to find the root cause. He did not do that. Huh? <laughs> he didn't complain. He didn't scold the guy. He didn't counsel the guy. Okay? So the word of God clearly says three words. He said, and Elisha prayed. Everybody say with me. And Elisha prayed. Enough said. After Elisha prayed, what he prayed came to pass without any pause, like what I said earlier. The servant began to see the supernatural and the supernatural became natural to him. Sometimes no amount, no amount of talking will do the job. However eloquent your speech is, we need to get on our knees to pray and ask God to reveal His perspective to the people around us. And I'm speaking to myself because sometimes I try to I'm a, I'm, I, got some, I got blue, like, orange and blue. So I try to, when people are going through trouble, I like to meet them up, eat, 
Itose, <laughs> always, you know, the, the default with me is, you know, go Little India and eat Itose and then talk to them. And then they try to hear them out and then try to, you know, counsel them through the word of God. But I realize, uh, still learning today, that no matter how much talking we do, unless God steps in, God intervenes, it will be my own work or I'll get the glory or it's a, it'll be a work of the flesh. But when God's, God steps in, it will be unmistakable that it is God who has spoken to the person. I want to share a story. How many of you know who is Reuben, um, Sister V's husband? So he was my, he was my army friend uh, 10 years ago. So somehow God uh, allowed us to cross paths again after we OD finished army. And then I asked him to ask him whether he was interested in UTB. So, you know, in UTB, we go all the way to our te- teaching. You know, he was receiving, he was hungry for the word of God. And then, but for him, one thing that he, one thing which, which, is, a, which is a roadblock or something that he needed, needed to obey the word of God on was talking about baptism in Jesus' name because he had been baptized in titles, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, but for him, what happened was, let me drink some water. He prayed to God, God, I don't want to hear from someone else. I don't want to hear from pastor. I want to hear from you what you think about baptism. And God spoke to him. He was getting off a bus in, in Yunos, I think. And then this song was playing in his head by Paul Baloch, which is your name. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nation sing it louder. For nothing has the power to save but your name. So he knew before the Bible study, like, you know, he, he told me, he told me during the Bible, uh, before the Bible study, chapter, lesson 8 or 7 started, he said, Elvin, you just teach me the lesson. I know what I need to do already. I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name because God spoke to him. Amen. Why don't we put our hands together and thank the Lord for God. So, if God spoke to Reuben, God is able to speak to us and also any of our UTB students, perhaps, maybe, even before we teach the lesson, God already Okay, hopefully I'm not being unbiblical. Pre-confirm his word that is spoken by miracles, signs, and wonders. God already said, hey, I'm going to prepare your heart, prepare the soil, okay, for the word of God to be sown. Matthew 16, 18, 18 to 19, sorry, yeah, talking about the authority that God has given to us, the church. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, Shall be, will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. How many of you want that kind of authority when we pray? Amen. It starts first when I seek, when we begin to seek the face of God in any given situation on a consistent basis. Later I'm going to talk about how, you know, we do not need to wait for big problems to happen before we start to talk to God. In any given basis, I'm learning that in, a, in our daily situation, when we go through work, when we go through life, we can talk to God and, and, and to hear, his, hear what He has to say, His perspective, His position in any given situation. So questions we need to ask perhaps is, Lord, Lord, what do you think about this situation? Lord, what do you see in this given situation? Help me to see what you see. When you see from God's point of view, you then have authority with your words and faith to help someone see things from God's authority through prayer. You can speak His words and promises over their lives when you pray for them. That's why it's so important, perhaps, that God, that's the, sorry, that's the reason why God places us in the body of Christ, a community, in a care group or in a, in a department or ministry. We're not doing life alone. That, you know, thank God, you know, the servant, was not alone. He had Elisha, the, his master with him. And when, when he was going through 
impossible, difficult situation where his life was at stake. He was able to say, hey, Master, I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling worried. Can you help me? Similarly, we need that kind of brothers and sisters around us in our life that we're able to call a child, Kieran, I'm going through impossible situation. I'm not thinking straight. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you counsel me? That kind of thing. We need that kind of people in our lives who is able to be there with us during that time. Amen? So point number three. What happens when we see from God's perspective or point of view? When we see things the way God sees, you will move in the miraculous just as God would do if He were there. I say again, when we see things the way God sees, you will move in the miraculous just as God would do if He were there. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 18 says, As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. It was interesting to me that God didn't tell Elisha what to do. It's not like Elisha prayed, Hey, God, what do you want me to do? He just spoke, prayed specifically um, uh, what, what he wanted God to do. Instead, instead of uh, God telling Elisha what to do, he gave Elisha free reign on how he wanted to deal with the enemy. God was saying, here you go, Elisha. Here are my angelic troops which you see before you. You have my backing. So what are you going to do? What prayers are you going to pray? Some of us are actually waiting on God to tell us what to do when He's actually waiting on us to tell Him what we would like to happen. Okay? Elisha didn't pray. When, when he realized that, hey God, you're giving, me, you're giving me these resources, you're helping me to see this supernatural, and you're inviting me to pray big prayers, prayers of faith. He didn't ask for a prayer, a small request. He had a very big prayer request, blindness on the entire enemy. Not just one or two of the, the, the captains of the enemy, uh, the, the army, but all of the enemy. He wanted, he prayed a big request. He wanted all of the enemy to be blind. And God answered it. God answered his prayer immediately. Could it be that we don't pray the big prayers because we have the wrong lenses on? Because sometimes when I, maybe just speaking for myself, when I don't see God the way he is, I think, oh, God, maybe not in control, or God doesn't have my best interest at heart. When we think like that, we, we, we possess doubt toward, towards God. And when we think like that, automatically we will just pray small prayers. Survival, prayers to survive. God, deliver me out of this situation. God, help me, help me to just survive through this day and to, and to do well in everything that I do. But when we see through eyes of faith, when we see God for who He really is, that He is the, he is the Almighty God, he's the, he's the everlasting God, then we will automatically pray big prayers, prayers of faith. Because we know that when we when we pray prayers of faith, God will answer. Amen? I remember uh, Bishop Willoughby once preached in his message, The Culture of Christ. He's, he said God told him to change two things, the direction and the dimension of his prayer. Direction, when, when, what I mean by direction is that we need to stop praying selfish prayers that only benefit us. It's about me, my, my, my ability to do well in my work, or my family, that God will protect them. It's very, sometimes, it's, it's needed, but it's, if we pray like that all the time, it's pretty selfish. Are we praying because we want something from Him or just because we want to spend time with Him? So I, 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 I realized that sometimes, no, how God wants it to be is that, you know, I, I wouldn't want, for sorry, just, just, just sharing a, a story. I think me and my wife, the foundation of a relationship is communication. But I realized that in order for 
a normal natural relationship is not just about me asking her to do things or like clean, can you clean the toilet for me or can you clean the floor for me that kind of thing if it's only based upon that then it will be a rough ride lah. it will be a rough ride <laughs> rough ride yeah but I think before requests or before uh, just asking each other to do things or direction before we ask God for direction we need to first spend time with Him Amen we can pray big prayers because, oh sorry, next one. So direction is the first one and then dimension. God wants us to change the dimension of our prayers. We need to, be, to pray big prayers, to pray for nations and to pray for our government leaders. Even though our nation is doing well uh, in their strategy towards COVID, they need our prayers because they are not God. They are not almighty, but we need God to intervene in our nation. And we can pray big prayers because God is for us. So when we have God's perspective. Let's ask in faith and pray boldly. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God, to please Him, sorry. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen? So, just to recap, uh, my, the part one, what happens when we have God's perspective in a given situation? When we see God, see things as God will see it, we are free from worry, fear, anxiety. Number two, we will be have, we have the authority to open people's eyes to cause them to see what God sees. And number three, when we see, the way, see things the way God sees, we will move in the miraculous just as God would do if He were there. Amen? So how many of you over here in this place uh, recognize that perhaps in some areas of their li your life or my life that we don't totally see from God's perspective? By a show of hands, me included, I believe all my four limbs. And now we're going to share about how to discover how then, when we realize that we have that physical eye disease, we don't see clearly, how do we shift to having God's perspective? Remember the slide that I shared with you earlier about eye diseases? If any of you have that kind of vision in that PowerPoint slide later on, I think uh, we should immediately book an appointment to see an eye doctor for diagnosis and treatment. Okay? So then the question that I need to ask myself is, how is the... Now, I, I, I mean, I know my physical eyes is not very good. La. I have to wear specs, quite high degrees. Okay? But how is the condition of our spiritual eyes? Could it be that if we live in constant state of worry and fear in our walk with God, then we've got spiritual eye disease? And you may ask, hey, Brother Elvin, even though uh, i got eye disease, uh, I can still see. Ma. I'm, not, I'm, not totally, I'm not totally blind yet. Just a bit limited. La. Maybe I go around my house, I will bump into the bed la, or will knock into my baby, la, that kind of thing. Still can see. Ma. It's restricted. A bit blur, blur, but still can see. Should be okay, right? In re hopefully, we don't think that way. La. Okay. <laughs> in reply to that, I would say, yes, you may still be able to see and survive in life, both your physical life and spiritual life. But why would you want to settle with just getting by when you know the one who can heal your eyes and give you a whole new perspective. Just think about that. Why would you want, I mean, sometimes it's comfortable living like that with limited vision. But why, no, when we know that, you know, God wants to give us that fresh vision so that we do not need to worry, that we are able to trust that He is in control. Why would we want to live with that limited vision? Amen? So I'm going to be sharing with you a few points on this. When we realize that we have a faulty perspective, how do we shift to, God, to having God's perspective? Okay, so before I talk about my three points, I want to reiterate again. It's not about changing our, just having a, uh, it's, not about, it's not about positive thinking. 
whereby someone preaches an inspiring message to you and you say, this week, I'm going to be changing my perspective. So we program ourselves, we pre-program ourselves, and we will ourselves to see, hey, I'm going through a bad situation. I think I should change my perspective. There, we change our perspective. That we think that will help. That may work for a few days, uh, but it's not sustainable. But the, op- the flip side to that, or what God wants us to do is that it has to be, God wants it to be born, the will of God is that it's born out of relationship. When we spend time with God, when we feel His love, when we feel, his, when we feel Him caring for us, when we experience what His Word has to say, when He speaks to us, there is an auto, it's an auto natural response for us to say, hey God, I love you and I know you love me and I know you care for me, but what do you think about this situation? It's a natural response. So remember, it's not us trying to modify our perspective or to modify our behavior or to change our actions, but it's born out of love and relationship for Him. Amen? So number one, it begins with a desire. Everybody say desire. Desire to hear and to recognize God's voice. First, we need to recognize that our vision and perspective is impaired. We are not seeing that situation as God sees it and we don't want it to stay that way. It all starts with a desire to commune with God and hear His voice. But the question is, I don't know whether any of you are asking this question, but, but, but Alvin, what if I don't have the desire to hear His voice? What if I don't have that hunger and thirst to spend time with Him? That there's, there's that roadblock, there's that hardness of heart. I, I, I want to. I know there's the right thing to do in His Word. My, my care group leaders have been saying this to me. The Word of God has been that is preached every week, has been saying, spend time with God, build on your relationship. But I don't have that desire. I'm feeling stuck. You know, honestly, life has a way of wearing us down. Especially in the pandemic culture. I'm writing all this, this statement that I'm saying is because of my own experience. I felt that we have lost a lot of life-giving activities, like worshipping God in a large setting. How many of you miss the days in, whether it's joy dance, spring, or... Where? Where? Ah, PSB, sorry. I won't say I'm getting old, if not, it could be a bit offensive. Uh, (laughs) PSB, how many of you missed that worshipping in in a large setting? Uh, Amen. The presence of God somehow, I'm not trying to say that the presence of God is a small or big one, but you know, it's a different dimension altogether. We we pray that, you know, God will be be able to gather again soon. Live worship, live prayer meeting, not over Vimeo, Charles. (laughs) Or Or more fellowship with the larger body of Christ. There are many there, there have been many times that I have felt dry in my walk with God in the past two years. Not, uh, not I, think, I think not yet backseaten whereby I leave church, but just really lacking that desire to spend time with Him. I remember those times whereby in Chinatown, Chinatown, China, sorry, Chinatown Point, whereby God first touched me, where we will be lying face down in the presence of God, that powerful, strong, drawing presence of God. Sometimes we, I realize in my life that I lost that hunger, that first love for God. Anyone can identify with that, 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 that dryness. And during those times, I had to just be honest with God. I honestly didn't, uh, it took a process of time whereby I was, I was sick of the way that I was in. Sick of being dry, sick of being, having no desire, or wanting to u- watch YouTube all the time just to fulfill or satisfy that gap in my life where, that, God, that only God can fill. I knew, however, that I could not conjure up that desire from within myself. I, don't, I cannot will that to happen because why? It's not sustainable and it's not from God. But I needed to, be, needed to be honest and open with Him for Him to help me. There's a scripture which, 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 which uh, is a promise to us. Philippians 2 verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. This scripture plainly says that God does both things. When we make that choice, say, God, I'm coming to you. 
He gives us two things, both the desire and also the power to do what pleases Him. So, sometimes we think, okay, let's pray at this point in time. Let's pray, sorry. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for what your word has to say about uh, your, your ability to give us uh, desire to change and to, 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 to even want to spend time with you, O God. Father, I acknowledge that many, many times, O God, we sometimes struggle, O God. Because why? Because sometimes we, you're, not a, you're not someone that is a being that is tangible, that we can see or touch or perceive with our five senses. But Father, we acknowledge, God, that you are real, O God, that your presence is so real in this place, O God. So Father, we embrace what your scripture has to say, that you give us that desire, that willingness, O God, that, that ability, Jesus, and the power, O God, to seek you, O God. So Father, if you are feeling dry in, that, in, that, in this place, O God, Father, I pray, Jesus, as we open our hearts and our minds, O God, to your word, Jesus. I pray that you break up the hardness of that heart, our, our hearts, Jesus. We acknowledge this, this is not something that we can make it happen by our own ability or strength, O oh God, but we are coming to you open, Jesus, to what you're wanting to do in this place, O oh God. We thank you that you're drawing us, O oh God, in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Sometimes we tend to think about hear, that hearing the voice of God is a very mystical thing. <clears throat> You read the story of Moses in the burning bush. Everybody know the burning bush story? That Moses was in the, the desert, then after that God speak to him through that burning bush. I mean, any of you have the experience before that God speak to you in a burning bush? Okay, if you got if you got tell me, la, I want to know. No. <laughs> Maybe Jamal later you on the stove, then God speak to you from there. Okay, you tell me uh, if you got uh. I'm not saying that God cannot, uh, but he haven't ex- haven't experienced before. La. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we think that God is this booming voice from heaven. Like, you know, when Jesus was baptized, then the, 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 the voice of the, the Spirit speak from heaven. This is my beloved son. Okay, yeah, like Barajona's voice, very angelic. <laughs> but it may not be that way. Yeah? Most of the time, it doesn't happen to me this way. For me, God speaks to me through impressions in my mind when I'm, when I'm, when I'm praying and I'm opening, opening my uh, heart and my mind to what His Word has to say. Uh, some call it a still small voice. Still others have it other ways or experiences of God speaking to them. Ultimately, we need to understand how God speaks to us. And, but before that, we, un- we need to understand that God wants to speak to us. We always learn that uh, in, in UTB, that you know, Christianity or having a relationship with God is not a monologue. Monologue means we talk one way to God, then no response. La. But no, that's not the way. Okay? God wants to have a dialogue, a, a, a lifelong, a lifelong conversation. A lifelong dialogue with us. More than just information, but we are, we are able to share our heart with Him and He is able to share it back with us. What He feels about a given situation, what He thinks about a given situation. He wants us to be able to hear His voice so clearly and consistently. It's not the kind of relationship that we have with our relatives. Sometimes, you know, we have relatives that we only see once a year. My grand-auntie at Teluk Branga, I only really see one, her once a year. Okay, so obviously if I only see someone once a year, I won't have a thriving relationship with that person. Lah. But that's not the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. He wants it to be a consistent relationship that both of us nurture. Being able to hear His voice assures us that He is there with us in our situation. And when He is there, we know that everything is going to be alright. Even though it may not seem that way in our logical mind, but we, we will know that when He is there, everything is going to be alright. James 10 verse 27 says, 
my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Psalms 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So just now I thought about how when we try to hear God's voice for the, uh, when we talk about this topic or this uh, 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 spiritual concept or hearing the voice of God, many times we think, I only, I only need to wait until those very kanko or very tialat situation, very bad situation, those very impossible situations like we face sickness or cancer in the family, that kind of thing, then we need to seek God's face. But no, if we wait until that situation before we hear the voice of God, most likely we, will, we may hear wrongly lah, because there are so many voices. When we go through crisis, there are, how many of you can agree that there are so many voices that are, that are fighting or vying for information that, find, that we find it, that makes it close to impossible to hear the voice of God. That's why before the hard things come in our life, we need to hear, to learn to hear the voice of God in our daily lives first. When life is still going fine, we need to, to, to start learning what is God's voice. We shouldn't wait till we are in crisis before we try to hear God's voice. And I want to help you to understand that the reason why we are able to speak to God about the uh, little things in our life is because God is concerned with the small things that go on in, go on in our life. Okay? You know, we read in the scripture about Matthew 6, 30, 32, 31 to 33, talk about how, you know, God provides food for the birds and then He, he gives rain water for the lilies. If God cares for these, uh, be, uh, these things in the world which have no soul, how much more will He care for us, His children? Amen? God is concerned with the small things that go on in our life. How is your family going? How are you, what are you doing on the, on the, how are you doing on, on the inside? They are not trivial to Him. God is a loving Father that cares for even the simple things in our life. If we are just starting out for the first time to hear the voice of God, if, or if perhaps you haven't heard the voice of God for a long time, this could be a good way to start out. It would be good to start with something simple. If we cannot hear something simple and trust God for something simple, we cannot trust Him for something big. So I encourage you in this place, if you are struggling to hear the voice of God in your life, start with something simple. For example, for example, just some examples to, to, to start, start our, our thought process or to start thinking. How about praying when you go to lunch later? Hopefully I'm not stirring our appetite. Uh, Vivo City, notorious place to get a kapak. Impos- pretty impossible. Hopefully pre-COVID, very difficult. Impossible. Now hopefully more co- possible. How about praying, you know, God, I'm trying to get a kapak space. Especially if you're urgent and wanting to go to the toilet, trying to park the car, no kapak space, problem. Prob- uh, situation common to me, okay? God, I hope this is not too small, but I'm trying to pray for car park space. And I vaguely remember that God answered that prayer before for me, okay? Number two, how about praying for a good weather during a family outing? Like you're going, you're going family outing on Saturday, then you know, the whole week, the whole week weather forecast is very bad, rain and rain and rain nonstop. Then you say, God, can you grant us good weather? So, sim- so small things like that, simple things like that, God is concerned. God sees and God wants to intervene and help us only if we will ask Him. I think, I also thinking about a relationship, relationship with my, my daughter. If she grew up and then she, she only shared with me only about the big things like, for example, if she get bullied very bad by a bully in school, then she will share, only then she will share with me, but she doesn't share with me about the small things that happen in her life, I'll be quite sad also. Because I want to hear about everything that happens. So similarly, in our relationship with God, God wants to hear about the nitty-gritty, small, small details. Not that he doesn't know already, yeah? God knows and sees, 
even before it happens. But when we choose to spoke, speak to him, speak, spoke, speak to him about those small things, like uh, Hannah, you know, you talk to God, Hannah, I got, you know, I got, I got a good deal at the Yang Kuo Fu, managed to get below $10. Uh, you know, I think God will appreciate. <laughs> Amen. <coughs> Sorry. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you, promise from the word of God. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. The gist of this for me is you don't try, you don't know. You won't try if you don't try, you won't know. If you don't try to hear the voice of God, if you don't make attempts to hear the voice of God, then you will you won't hear it. But when we God is not saying, Oh, you must fulfill this criteria, this, 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 then I will speak to you. No. God only what, what God desires from us is we make a choice and we say, God. Help me to hear your voice. I know it's important. I want to hear your voice, but I cannot generate the desire from within. God, speak to me. I guarantee you God will speak to you because you're making yourself, your heart and your mind open to Him. And He's looking and waiting for us for that to happen and God will speak. Number two, why after God speaks, what then will we do? Number two, experiment with God, with what God says or teaches through obedience. Everyone say obedience. This is where we act upon what God has to say. I know James talks about how it's important to not just be a hearer of the Word of God or hearer of what God has to say, what God speaks, but to be a doer as well. After we hear the voice of God, we need to take action through obedience. And I hope this story will help you to understand the need to take action. So for those of you who wear spectacles, you go to the optician, the eye doctor, to get your eyes tested. The optician, he, he brings you to a room. Uh, that's a prescription. And you should be able to collect your glasses in a week's time. If you go to own days, welcome to own days. It's a bit shorter. Lah. Welcome to own days. Okay. <laughs> when your glasses are ready and you collect it, how many of you will lift it up and say, wow, what a beautiful pair of glasses that I have purchased. I know that when I put it on, I'll be able to see clearly. And then we go home and leave it on the shelf and don't use it. How many of you did it do that? Uh, hopefully not, okay. <laughs> Funny, right? That will defeat the purpose of the new glasses. Okay, when God gives us a new lens, a new perspective, we need to put it on. Lah. Yeah, not just for one day, but you know, constant, constantly. Because it's a gift of perspective that God speaks to us. Similarly, when we hear God speak to us, we need to act upon it by obeying what God says. When God gives us His perspective in a given situation, we need to continue to walk in that new vision. Hebrews 5 verse 14, But solid food is for full-grown men. For those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary, either to divine or human law. So the word, I, I, I don't zoom in there, is trained by practice. It takes, honestly, it takes practice to hear the voice of God. So there are times whereby we get it, we, if we hear God correctly, or there are perhaps other times whereby we hear God wrongly. We think we hear God, but actually it's not God. Lah. That's why we need to come on Sunday service to press that reset button. We need to have people around us who are able to test and check what we, whether we hear ring correctly or not. It's like for those of us who are learning to play a musical instrument. How many of you um, know how to play a musical instrument over here? Anyone? Okay, good. Mr. Joyce. <clears throat> for those of you who have, are starting out to learn a uh, musical instrument, it takes a lot of practice and time spent. There are times when we will play correctly, but there are other times when perhaps our playing will be off. 
Similarly, there are times when we hear the voice of God wrongly and we think it's the voice of God but it's from another source. That's why it's so important, like what I said just now, to have people around us who know the Word of God and know the voice of God so that we can test what we are hearing with them. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says, Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counsel, counselors, they are established. So that's one thing that I realize has been beneficial and important in my life uh, in the past, whereby I'm, when I'm making uh, a major decision, like for example, who I'm going to marry, who, who, who I, I want to marry, I already married, okay. Uh, I talked to my spiritual authority about it, pastor, or when, talk, when, when a job situation is important that we, we don't uh, make a decision first, but we, we talk to our spiritual authority, our, our, the godly people who God has placed in our, in our life and ask them, hey, what do you think? Do you feel good about this, about this decision that I'm going to make? Because why? When we have a multitude of counsellors, we're able to have different opinions, different godly opinions, so that we make the best godly decision. Amen? When we spend more time, when we, when we obey the voice of God immediately, we become more sensitive to the voice of God. We become more sensitive when we, be, when we spend time in His presence and in His Word. Also, I think, Brother uh, Dauti preached this before. He preached about quick obedience. That means when God speaks, we immediately act upon it. When God tells us to do something, we don't say, hey God, tomorrow lah. Or maybe we and my, I talk to my wife lah, but we, we obey it immediately. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19, it says, do not quench the spirit. When we hear God speak to us and lead us in a direction and we don't obey, what happens is that we quench or extinguish the spirit of God. And the image that comes to my mind when I hear the word quench is a SCDF, a fireman, you know, when there's a big blaze, a huge fire, the more water is sprayed onto the fire, the smaller and smaller the flame goes until all that remains is ashes and smoke. So when we, when we, repeat, when we repeatedly shut our ears or, you know, don't follow through with what God has to say, to say we will become hardened to the, the voice of God. Where we, it be, the voice of God becomes smaller, softer, softer until we are unable to hear Him anymore. It's not as if God is not speaking because God wants to speak to us all the time, but our hearts, my heart has been hardened to His voice. I believe. So we talk about don't quench the Spirit. It also works in the opposite way. The more you choose to obey God's voice rather than obey it, it sharpens your senses to God speaking to you the next time. You are ready to hear the voice of God and to act upon it. It's like, you know, Knife sharpener. The more you sharpen that knife, you're ready to be able to be, to, to be sharp to the voice of God. Some things that I learned about hearing the voice of God, for me personally, you cannot hear the voice of God without a heart of worship or surrender. I'm not going into that prayer time by saying, God, uh, God, I want an answer from you. That's why I'm praying. God, I want you to do this. I want you to act in this manner. Uh, without uh, one, the first thing that I, when I the first thing that I say or to do when I go into God's presence shouldn't be that la. the Bible exhorts us clearly I enter into His presence with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise and the main reason God why I'm wanting to spend this time with you is because I love you and I want to nurture this relationship that I have with you I'm not trying to get something from you Amen Before we make a decision we need to move our heart to this what is called a neutral gear for those of you who drive Okay, in your, in your car, there's this, there's this stick here. You put, there's D, N, and R. D stands for drive, N stands for neutral, and R stands for reverse. La. So similarly, in our heart, we need to, before we pray and, you know, 
especially when we're wanting to ask God what He thinks about what we need to do for the next step. We need to put our heart in neutral gear. What this means is that we are remaining still before the Lord. We are waiting to hear what He has to say. We are not seeking His counsel with our mind already made up. So we don't say, God, I'm wanting to do this. Uh, make it happen. I want to get this job. Make it happen. I want to, to, to chase this girl. Make it happen. That kind of thing. No, we're not, we're not doing that. Amen? Yes. We are all human. We all have our own opinion, our liking, our skill set, that kind of thing. We all have our inclination, for example, for, for a job that we want. But a heart of worship says, God, whatever your will is, I want to follow that. Not my will, but yours be done. And even Jesus, the best example, even Jesus who was completely man and completely God on this earth, even he had the crossroad in the Garden of Gethsemane. Everybody know the story of Gethsemane? Whereby he prayed. He had a crossroad whereby he, whereby he had to spend time with his father and, and get the mind of the father and surrender his will to, to the father. It is in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus surrendered to the will of God to go to the cross. Luke, whereby he said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I know that I already know that torture is going to await me, death is going to await me, but at the end of the day, not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22 verse 44 says, He prayed, Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, being talked about here, He prayed more fervently and He was in such agony of spirit that His sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So if Jesus, who was our example, our, the best example that we have, had those crossroads in His life, we will have those situations as well. Whereby, it was honestly not logical. Lah. Honestly, Jesus is Almighty God. He can just settle this, sin, settle this sin issue with a click of his finger. Or when he's on a cross, right, he can just get the angels to, like, you know, uh, the, 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 the army, God strike them with blindness, right? He's able to strike all the Roman soldiers with, and Jewish soldiers with, with blindness and get him down from the cross. But he chose not to. He chose to remain on that cross because why? He loves us and he's willing to go through all that to show us that he loves us. So don't be surprised if God's voice when he speaks to you, it does not appeal to your logic or what you think should be, God, God should be speaking. And it's not well received by your flesh. It's like, well, God, you say this thing, ah, to do this, ah, very uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. Eh. If you can easily receive it, receive God's voice all the time and it seems easy to act upon all the time, there will be no need for us to surrender. We just, you know, carry on with our life and, you know, God will just follow on to our plans. We plan everything out, then God just follow. Because God is, it seems that always God is always telling us the good things. God knows that the things that He's telling us to do, what He's telling us to do is sometimes not easy. How many of you can agree with that? You know, sometimes God tells us difficult things. That's why He places um, those leaders over us. That's why He places us, places us in the body of Christ. So that when we come to a crossroad of decision, where we need to make that terribly difficult decision, we are not alone in it. We have people around us who are supporting us. We have God who is able to help us. Coming now to the third point. So we talk about a desire to hear God's voice and then we act upon it in obedience. And, and things are going alright. We are, we, are, we are beginning to hear the voice of God. But we, we talk about uh, the, the series, remember, is the agenda of God and Satan. When Satan sees a they are hearing God's voice. They are walking in, in victory. They are walking in triumph. The enemy will try to, to deceive us. He will try to speak. He will try to disguise himself as God, but actually he's not God. And we need to have discernment. So number three is a cry for discernment. 
because the enemy is not happy. He will do all he can to prevent us from seeing from God's perspective. And he does this by disguising himself as God. And I mean, he has been doing it for a long, 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 long time. All the way from the back, back in the garden in Genesis. So he knows his tricks is not something that is very easily foiled. Lah. It is not. We need to have God's discernment. What is discernment? Discernment is to distinguish, to separate, to examine. Biblical discernment means to be able to judge what is God and what is not. I say again, it's, able to, it's the ability to judge what is God and what is not. To discern means it helps us to find out what is the difference between truth and error. So we need God to help us, to give us discernment so that we will know that when there are voices coming to our mind, when we receive a certain direction, we need to know what is God. Is this you, God, or is it not you? It is the ability also to think biblically about all areas of our life. Philippians 1 verse 9 says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. And the first temptation, I think we know the story, is in Genesis, whereby the serpent spoke to the lady, to encouraging her to say, hey, you know, doubt God's character. God doesn't love you. God didn't provide for you, that kind of thing. The first temptation in the Bible was for man to rely on his own definition of good and evil rather than having discernment from God. Genesis 3, verse 5 to 6 says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant for the eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband and, and with her, and he ate. So honestly, as human beings, we are tempted with the sin to know it all. It feels good, it feels powerful to know everything, to be in con- because it gives us control. Yeah, we want to know all the details, all the integrity. Because, but if we, are, if we want to always know everything, we always want to know the why, the purpose, why God does this, why God doesn't do it, then we're trying to play God. Lah, because only God knows everything. We are, not, we are limited as human beings. It is a form of pride to rely on our own reasoning rather than see it from God's point of view. And instead of relying on themselves, Adam and Eve could have, should have trusted God. So similarly speaking to myself, instead of Elvin trying to rely on himself, I should trust God in every given situation. Proverbs 3 verse 5-7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. The promise is that when we trust in God in all aspects of our life, He promises us that He will direct our path. Amen? The scripture also says, do not be wise in your own eyes. That, that, the layman, basically, layman term is say that, uh, mean, uh, what it means is that don't always think that what you're seeing is correct. Don't always think that what you're hearing is from God because it, it, may, it, not, it may not be God all the time. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Amen? Discernment. When we, say, when we hear this concept about discernment, we think about this person called Solomon. How many of you heard that name, heard that name before? King Solomon. One of the is said that he was one of the wisest men who walked on this earth. And, he, and even Solomon, who was so wise, he needed discernment. So if he needed discernment, how much more do we? How much more do I need discernment? First Kings 3 verse 9, we see a scripture that Solomon prayed before he, just, just, uh, just at the beginning of his rule as king. It says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this 
great people of yours. So Solomon realized that this was God's people. In this, this, in this situation, uh, he, he was just a vessel that God was going to flow through. And he realized that, you know, even in, he knew that he had the wisdom and intellect to perhaps distinguish what was right and wrong. But he decided, God, I want, to, I want to be able to distinguish what's right and wrong from your perspective and not from mine. Proverbs 2 verse 11 says, Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. And if you want to know more about perspective, making the right decision, and, and, and these promises, there are so many promises in the book of Proverbs for those who choose to see things from God's perspective. Amen? How many of you will agree with me that you need this, we, need to, we all need discernment in our life to hear, to discern correctly? And if there is one place that we desperately need discernment, it's in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our uh, crisis situation, a sickness, uh, we are, we're going through depression, and, and you all fill in the blanks because I know that there, may, there, there are people in this place that are going through those situations. It is in the midst of the trials where we desperately need the discernment. We need to discern the voice of God because, like what I said earlier, that in crisis, there will be thousands of voices that are vying for our attention. It may be voices from our own mind, from our own perception, or even from the devil. Or maybe our friends and family have all their own different, opi- own different opinions. But in a crisis situation, we need to discern what God is trying to speak to us because He is wanting to speak. If He is wanting to speak in a small situation, how much more when we are going through that hurt, pain, or impossible situation, He wants to speak and He wants to, he wants to intervene. But we will not be able to hear unless we practice discernment. So that's why the Bible tells us to cry out for discernment. Proverbs 2, verse 3 to 5 says, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So another translation uses the word insight instead of discernment. Crying out to God for insight amid your pain basically sounds like this, Lord, I'm in pain, I'm hurt, God, I'm going through a tough situation, help me to hear your voice, Lord, help me to see what you're seeing. Amen? Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call to me. This is a promise for us. Call to me. God speaking there. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Incredible as it seems, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke this world into existence, the one who formed us with his own hands, he desires an intimate, loving fellowship and relationship with each of us, the ones he created. God wants to share his thoughts and, our, and his heart with us. And in moments of fear, anxiety, and trouble, when we do not understand what to do and why things are happening the, the way they are, we take the right step towards God's help and deliverance and protection simply by crying out. So there's a difference. So this thing called crying out, what it basically means is that it's a cry of desperation. It's not, you know, I mean, we pray daily, you know, things are going fine, but when we are going through crisis, just like how when a baby is, uh, in danger, or for, uh, uh, there are few of you, few of you who have who have uh, had children in the past. When your baby is going through danger, or when your baby is feeling alone or desperate, the cry, the, the, the sound of the cry, the dimension of the cry will be totally different. And any of you can say, "Amen." It'll be a different cry, and the parents will be able to identify that desperate cry of des- desperation. So similarly to us, when we are going through that difficult situation, God is not expecting us to deal with it on our own. God is not expecting us first to go to our friends for help. God wants us to. God wants to give us that in, in, invitation to cry out to Him. 
because He promises us, I'm going to be going through a few scriptures to help us to understand what happens when we cry out to God in our desperation. Amen? Psalm chapter 34, verse 17 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of their troubles. Psalms 107, verse 28 says, Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distresses. Romans 8, verse 15, and I love this scripture. For you do not need, sorry, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This scripture basically says that when we have received the spirit of God, it's not, like, it's not that He adopts us, it's not that He, he it's not that He adopts us so that He, so that we can, we can he, he, he wants to abuse us, but He's a loving Father that is in control. And when we have received that Holy Spirit that is living inside of us, we're able to cry out, Father, help me in this situation. Help me to see what you're saying. And He gives us the ability to do so by His Spirit. And this last scripture that I'm going to share for today, Psalms 13 and verse 1 to 6, we see in this situation that David was going through a terrible situation. He had doubt towards God, doubt towards how God could deliver him. NLT, for the choir director, a psalm of David, and I want us to perhaps see, see ourselves in this, uh, uh, put ourselves in a position of David and to feel what he would have felt and to see how he feels God, uh, he sees God. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart, every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. We see, we see that David was going through a difficult situation. He had enemies in his way. He had impossible situations in his path. And he started off these psalms by a lot of rhetorical questions. I mean, uh, he, he's just being honest with God, being open with God. But, you know, God helped him to see from his perspective. And he ended off with saying, God, at the end of the day, he didn't say he trusts in God's ability to do anything. He didn't say, I trust that you will deliver me out of this situation. But he says, I trust in your unfailing love. So this cry out for desperation, this hearing, for, hearing God's voice is all based upon the foundation that we have a loving Father that cares for us. We have a loving Father that knows uh, acutely, specifically, all the situations that we're going through in this place. And, and before you even, any of us, whether you're on screen or any of us at HQ, before we even came into this place, God sees and knows where we're at in this place. And as I close today, I just want to share one of my personal stories about crying out and having God's help in that situation. Um, for those of you who know, uh, I, I, was, I wanted to sign on in the army, to be a regular in the army about 10 years ago. And so, it was something that was very dear to my heart, soldiering, fighting, you know, all those physical stuff in war and things like that. Not, not saying that we're going through war now, hopefully not. But I wanted to sign on to the army as a regular. But a few months before I finished my army or ORD, I, I just felt God speaking to me in an impression. He, he asked me this question and listen clearly. Elvin, do you love me more or do you love the army more? So when I heard that, I was honestly unable to answer him, answer him immediately because I know honestly in, in my 
human self or my flesh, I wanted to sign on because it's, it's something that I like, I'm passionate about. It's also an iron rice bowl. It's something that I could do well in and it's a, it's a good career, career path. But I know at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I would, in Chinese, they say, like I would, I'm the kind of person that, you know, I like to stay in camp, you know. Uh, when I hit the crossroad, in the crossroad on the road, I will look for enemy at the left and right because that's what the, enemy, the army trains you. Okay, it will, get, it will get to me. It will, I will take it off as my identity. But then God didn't intend for me to be a soldier in, in, his, in, the, in, in, in the SAF, but in his army. Amen. So it was a difficult decision to make and it was only after a struggle with God that I was able to make the decision. And I remember very clearly it was in uh, Bishop, so before this place became, became like that, it was a different layout. It was in Bishop Willoughby's old room uh, on a Friday night with some, some guys, I think we were having some cell group or something that I, I told them, guys, I'm struggling with this decision. God told, told me this, but I'm, I'm, finding it difficult. I'm finding it difficult. So they prayed for me I cried out to God and the song, and God gave me a song. God gave me the song called Still by Hillsong. Uh, by Hillsong. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over this flood. I will be still and know you are God. And so in that situation, even though it was difficult, I was able, with God's help and with the people around me, to make the decision. I was able to discern correctly and follow through with God, what God spoke to me. And it was it was, it was founded upon the love of God. Elvin, do you love me more? Or do you love the army more? And so I was able to make the decision because I knew I had a loving father who was in control of my life, who saw before he even, before he even brought me and my family into, into the body of Christ, he saw where we would be. And that's the same kind of, kind of God that we serve in this place. So I want to invite you to, to rise to your feet and let's respond to the Spirit of God that is here in this place and what He wants to speak to us. And I believe that even as I was preaching or sharing this sermon with you, the different concepts or principles that God was, God sees and God is speaking to us in this place. So in our own special way, well, let's, let's begin to respond to God.